truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Welcome to The Blaze. We are live and on demand here on The Steve Dace Show. Todd and Aaron are here with me. And we are glad that you are joining us. 888-933-93. Here is the number. 888-933-93. You can email us. Steve at SteveDace.com. Last name is D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Actually, like us on Facebook nine times because then it might get counted. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We are approaching the Ides of March here in the year of no BS. So a good day uh, to welcome our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz will be with us here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, um, we're going to poke the bear. Uh, with today's truth bomb. And then we will play our fun little game of buy, sell, or hold. And who knows uh, what cornucopia of topics could be opened up and touched upon during that portion of the program. But before we get to all of those zany hijinks, we must, of course, begin with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the largest college admissions scandal ever. I went to law school here. In Costco? Yeah, I couldn't believe it myself. Luckily, my dad was an alumnus and pulled some strings. The U.S. Department of Justice announced the arrests of over 50 people yesterday, including CEOs and Hollywood actresses, on charges of bribery. Those indicted in the investigation, dubbed Operation Varsity Blues, allegedly paid bribes of up to $6.5 million to get their children into elite colleges, including Yale, Stanford, Georgetown, and the University of Southern California. They even used college athletic coaches as part of their scam. In return for bribes, these coaches agreed to pretend that certain applicants were recruited competitive athletes, when in fact the applicants were not. As the coaches knew, the students' athletic credentials had been fabricated. According to Phil Kirpin, quick search of presidential donors among people indicted today for allegedly bribing their kids into college. Hillary Clinton, six. Mitt Romney, six. Barack Obama, five. Marco Rubio, one. Donald Trump, zero. This is what Donald Trump tapped into. In a lot of ways, guess what? He was right. So there's that. Also cool is that embattled former FBI employee Lisa Page testified under oath that the FBI was ordered by the Obama Department of Justice to not consider charging Hillary Clinton for gross negligence with the handling of classified information. Also, what in the fresh hell is this? Senator Joni Ernst and Senator Mike Lee are unveiling a new proposal for paid family leave. The Cradle Act would allow parents to use Social Security savings to pay for time off after birth or adoption. Users would then delay their retirement to pay the money back. The air that Americans breathe isn't equal. Pollution from whites disproportionately affects blacks, Hispanics. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez beclowned herself yet again yesterday. So let's focus on the Dakota Access Pipeline. Uh, Should Wells Fargo be held responsible for the damage? Airplanes are becoming far too complex to fly. Pilots are no longer needed, but rather computer scientists from MIT. I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Now what I'm with isn't it, and what's it seems weird and scary to me. It'll happen to you. And finally... Hi, I'm Q, the world's first genderless voice assistant. 
Think of me like Siri or Alexa, but neither male nor female. I'm created for a future where we are no longer defined by gender. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? My voice was recorded by people who neither identify as male nor female. This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. I don't know what you're talking about, Hal. And that's what happened when we were away. Very well done. Aaron's montage today brought to you by our friends at Home Title Lock. Homeowners, beware. A data data breach of a major bank may have exposed 24 million homeowners to what's called home title fraud. And you might be thinking, well, hey, I've got identity theft protection. I'm good to go. And if you don't have identity theft protection, you should. But this isn't about stealing your identity. Uh, This is about uh, using identifiers that uh, you identify yourself with uh, in order to commit fraud against third parties you do business with. For example... Uh, With a data breach, they may not be able to steal your identity, but they might have a checking account number now, a middle initial, a maiden name, uh, the last four digits of a social security number. In other words, the, the information that you use when you log in to do business with a third party to say, yes, that's me. And uh, you put that in to verify your you. And what would be the third party asset that is the most valuable uh, investment, commodity, capital of most of America, their own home, particularly the equity in the home. So with our home titles now online, they go to your county recorder or accessor site, wherever it's stored digitally in your state, claim that they're you with this identifiable information, forge a signature, and now you're like the story currently happening in Philadelphia where a couple is keeps having their, their house put up for sale where their family's living because a dude in North Carolina did this to them. This doesn't have to happen to you. Protect the most valuable investment for just pennies a day with our friends at home title lock and who knows you might already be vulnerable find out with a free title scan and report normally a hundred dollar value but free today for our family at the blaze at home title lock.com that is home title lock.com i, I want to begin from aaron's montage i, I want to start with the uh the mike lee thing this is what This is what political parties do. The goal of the system, the goal of the system is to prove to people like us that no one can be good. And I don't mean in a biblical, you know, none would choose him. All have sinned and fallen short. That's not what I mean. Not in a way that provokes you to seek redemption Um, from your savior, not that way, in a nihilistic way. In other words, you know, well, everybody's doing it. Why can't we? That kind of way, a nihilistic way. The goal of the system is to reenact the the two top stories in Aaron's montage today. When Matt Walsh put out his list of best movies of the last 20 years, um, he, you want to know why the Dark Knight was on my list when I when I responded to him and why we quote it so often on this show is because scenes from this movie keep getting reenacted on a daily basis. Two of the uh, two scenes out of the Dark Knight were literally reenacted yesterday. 
the mass indictment scene. We're going to get to that in a second, the, the college admission scandal. And the goal of, of, of the swamp in D.C. is the climactic scene of the Dark Knight. We have the two fairies out there in the harbor, and they each have the trigger mechanism to blow up the other. And the, the Joker's goal, I mean, the, Heath Ledger's Joker, he's essentially Satan. His goal is to show, his, his language is very similar to the androgynous language, language the androgynous Satan uses in, um, in the Passion, of, the Passion the of the Christ. They're not worthy of this. They're all bad. They're irredeemable. There's no point to this. There's no need for you to be the hero, is what the Joker is saying to Batman. The androgynous Satan is saying to, to Jesus, they don't deserve a savior. They, they won't, they'll reject you anyway. Look at how, how easily I tempt them. None of these people are good. And, and it's, it's sort of a nihilistic analysis. And so... The goal of the system is to, for every time you find the perfect environment where you can get a Mike Lee to win a primary and get him elected, the minute they arrive, the clock will begin to tick. And the system will do whatever it can to corrupt these individuals. It's why when I sat in an Irish pub in Washington, D.C. in 2014 with John Drogan Chip Roy, who's now a member of Congress, and Jason Johnson, uh, they were essentially the initial brain trust of Ted Cruz's uh, first Senate run when he came out of nowhere in the grassroots and beat the lieutenant governor of Texas for the nomination and then got elected. And I was coming to Washington, D.C. to do some promotional work for Rules for Patriots. Um, and whenever I go to D.C., because I live in Iowa, Anybody who's ever interested in running for the Republican presidential nomination anytime between now and when global warming kills us all wants to usually talk to me. So I sit down at an Irish pub. I'd not met any of these guys yet. Two of them are now two of my best friends in politics, but I had, ne I had not met them at this point in time. And we went out to dinner and they wanted to question me about the environment in Iowa. And was it realistic that a, a guy who'd been in office, remember, you know, um, he had just gotten elected. So was it realistic that he could be a U.S., that he could run for president? And what I said to them was, if you're thinking about running, uh, run before you think you're ready. Don't wait until you think you are. And I gave him the example of Rick Santorum. And I said, you know, in the late 1990s, Rick Santorum was Ted Cruz. He was the featured speaker at every conservative organization's dinner. They wanted him. He was the guy that drove before John McCain started calling Mike Lee uh, and Rand Paul and Ted Cruz wacko birds. He was cussing out Rick Santorum in the Senate cloakroom. True story, because he wouldn't go along with the system. And then Rick Santorum eventually stayed long enough that he became the guy that when he went around for Iowa for a year, there was a reason why he couldn't get any support. You know, you volunteered for the campaign at that time. Because he was known as Rick Santorum, who endorsed Arlen Specter. It was like it was his name. Everywhere he went, that's what he was, he's known by. And it was only after literally everybody else collapsed and there was nobody else to vote for other than Mitt Romney that Rick Santorum started to be taken seriously, like the last 10 days of the Iowa caucuses, literally. And I said to those three, I'd run now if you want to think, if you're really thinking about it, because I don't care how principled you think your guy is, the longer he's here, it's, it's what I call RCV. 
ruling class virus. It is an airborne contagion for which there is no known cure other than term limits and or being voted out of office and sent back home where you can breathe the free air again and get a real job and get a real job. Yes. No one, no, no one, Steve, no one, no one, no one gets more principled the longer they're in Washington, D.C. No one does. So I told them, run him now. You have no idea because he's being effective, because he's rallying our people. The system will now look for ways to devise to put him into corners. What it did to Rick Santorum is it, it's, it stopped. Is it, 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 in order to get him to stop bitching, they put him in the leadership. They put him in Senate leadership now. So now, now he's in the inside. And now Rick Santorum went from, why are you guys running Arlen Specter against Christy Todd Whitman against conservatives to, you know, I'm going to cut a deal now with the leadership and we're going to get John Roberts out of this because boy, that's, that's been great. Hasn't that been great? That's been a great, he's been a great chief justice. Just really great job, everyone. I, I can't thank you enough, really. Um, so this is what the system seeks to do. Put you in the impossible situation. Now with these guys, I've seen this pattern. It always plays out this way. They hold out as long as they can. They're principled as long as they can be. And, and as they're being principled, the political capital builds. And then what will happen is, the, the, see, the reality of the situation is, you're right, you can't make the perfect the enemy of the good. You have to eventually make some compromises. We are east of Eden. We make compromises on our own show. We have to. But these guys always cash in their political capital. They never do this. They're, they, they, um, they're, never, um, they're never Jacob. They're always Esau. That's the analogy I'm going for. Like Jacob's out there, you know, yeah, I'm going to fake out my old man who's literally dying blind on a, on a slab and pretend I'm the favored son so I can get something like a birthright, like really cool out of this. Esau is like, man, I'm really hungry today. Can I get a, a bowl of soup? That's always what they do. Like Rick Santorum, when I asked him, tell me about your great compromise. Well, we got health savings accounts. Most Americans cannot afford a personal savings account, let alone deferring hundreds of thousands or hundreds or thousands of dollars of their salary uh, into a health. It, it, does it sound great? Sure, it sounds great. How many Americans can access those? Not many. They, they never get, when they make the pragmatic choice, they never get the Jacob equation. They never wrestle with God and then like have a nation named after them. They're always Esau. Every time. Every time it's the Esau. I've never seen a guy, never, never, ever have I seen a guy make the trade that turns him into Jacob. He always becomes Esau. Every time. They hold out, they hold out, they hold out, they hold out, they hold out. It's like the guy, it's like, it's like the woman who's, the, it's like the beautiful woman saving herself for marriage. And then just decides one night on a bender, you know, this guy over here with the receding hairline, the, the nine head and the pot belly, you know, why not? You know, let's give it a shot. I'm bored. Every time. I've seen, they never, ever, ever make the Jacob trade. They're always Esau. Every time. And then what they'll do is they'll, they'll get a crap sandwich of legislation thrown their way. 
And then the big debate becomes, do we say no to bad legislation or do we make it better? Here's, how, here's what this always means. Can I define this for you? Let me translate. Um, the choice is when my party's not in power, it's okay for me to oppose the bad legislation. When my party is in power, I then I've got to stand with the party. So I've got to make bad legislation better. A great story involves an old friend of mine. Bill Salier was a U.S. Senate candidate here in Iowa and, and, and was a very popular grassroots activist in our state. And then ultimately retired from politics to run a family farm and have children. And one of his last acts as an activist is he called up his friend Steve King during the height of the, um, uh, the, uh, the TARP battle. And trying to find out why King was flirting with voting for this. And, and, and King essentially gave him an answer of, well, something must be done. And he hung up the phone. And then that was literally the last conversation they ever had. When was the tarp? That was 2008. <laughs> these, guys were t- these guys were besties for years. Same thing. Uh, why did something have to be done? Because if, if Barack Obama had suspended his campaign in 2008 to support the TARP, do you think Steve King would have voted for it? Let me answer that for you. Hell to the no. Hell to the no. Uh, but who, support, who suspended their campaign to make sure the TARP got passed? Who did it? John McCain. John McCain did. So that's my team. That's my quarterback. That's why in this book here it says political parties are one of the most morally compromising, corrupt enterprises ever devised by man. So if Barack Obama, if, if, if Michelle Obama was pushing family medical leave, what are the odds Mike Lee would be on CBS this morning pushing it to? What are the odds? What do you think? Let me give you, you guys like binary, you all love your binary choices, right? You try shoving them down my throat all the time. Let me give you one. I mean, it's, it's only fair, right? You want a binary choice? Let me give you one. Uh, binary choice. Uh, if, if, if Michelle Obama was pushing family medical leave, A, Mike Lee's on CBS this morning drinking horse semen, or B, Mike Lee's on CBS this morning pushing family medical leave. Binary choice. What do you think is more likely? It's far more likely he's drinking horse semen on CBS this morning, and it's really not even close. But who's the one pushing family medical leave? It's not Michelle Obama. Javanka is. So Esau's got to get his pot of stew. Esau's hungry. Esau needs to Esau needs to say that he's effective and getting things done. That he's a team player. Every time. And I know I'm anticipating this one too. Well, Steve, look at the system. I mean, it's a I mean, the idea is deferred compensation from your social security account, and then you pay it back. So so Mike Lee now believes who first of all. Who earned the damn money in the first place? Government or you? Where's government get the social security money from? Where's it get? Where's it get? Do you know where he gets it from? You. You. What the hell is constitutional about you can have your money back if you're willing to spend it in the way government decrees, and then you have to pay the government back? Hello. Does anybody tell me what is the what is constitutional or liberty about that? Anybody? So I'm, anybody? I'm guessing this is probably going to be the wrong time to ask for how long Social Security is going to be solvent. No doubt, says the millennial. Good question. 
What this is, this is, there's nothing freedom about this. It's your money to begin with, but you can only have it if you spend it in the way the government says. And then you have to pay the government back. It, the first sentence was, it was whose money to begin with? Yours. So why do you have to pay the government back with your money? Who, you know what? Um, in any borrower or lender situation, when one party is required to pay something back, contractually that is saying, therefore, that is actually whose money? Whose? The borrower or the lenders? The lender. lender. The lender. So if you have to pay government back, Mike Lee is really saying, that's not your money. It is the government's money. So this is what political parties do all the time. All the time. It's the goal. The, and, the, and, the, and the goal, I will, I will give Mike Lee credit for this. He has attempted to find probably the most creative way possible to, to be a team player. Most of our guys don't even come up with any level of chess whatsoever in order to cash in their chips for Esau's pot of stew. Mike Lee's at least attempted to do basic rudimentary level of critical thinking. But over and over again, just change the names. Just change the names. This is always what happens when we get one of our people elected. Eventually, the system nihilistically seeks to corner them in order to convince us. Don't be aspirational. No one can be good. The system can never change. We're going to talk about another front where there's this concern on our roundtable today. Because as we speak right now, they're debating about and voting on, I think it is, Trump's emergency declaration in the Senate, correct? Yes. That's going on today? Um, well, no, the vote isn't going on. I think the vote's tomorrow. The vote's tomorrow, but the debate is today. Correct. Okay. Uh, don't. All of that's fake. The whole thing's fake news. Don't believe any of it. You're, can, can, you're of no BS. These, none of these people, Rand Paul, none of them, none of them care about the constitutionality of Trump's declaration. Steve, I can't believe you just said that. How do I know? Because regardless of whatever you may think is the, are the constitutional merits of Trump's declaration, the courts have been shredding the Constitution syllable by syllable, amendment by amendment, all of our lives. And these same tenured Congress people have done exactly what to push back against that? Nothing. It's like if a parent says they're going to start disciplining their child. And then the, the kid eats one cookie too many. But, is, but in the corner is literally beating their little sisters and brothers to a pulp. And the, and, the, what makes the, and the parent says, hey, that's one cookie too many. And totally ignores the other siblings are literally over here bleeding out. Would you take seriously their claims of discipline? Hell no, you wouldn't. Don't take any of these. You're of no BS. That's total BS up there. But maybe I'm wrong. We'll debate it later today here on the Blaze Roundtable. Now, the second, the second scene from The Dark Knight that, that happens, happened today uh, is the mass indictment scene of the criminal racket. You literally saw that in Boston yesterday. 50 people implicated. The guy who spearheaded it, this, none of this is alleged, by the way. The guy who spearheaded it went into court under oath and said, I knew it was a crime. I knew what I was doing was wrong all along. I'm guilty. All right. Um, and, and 
be still my beating heart. Apparently, Don Lemon, of all people, came up with a reason why people voted for Donald Trump other than racist. That was great. Okay. How about them apples? You know, but this is the reality of the situation. Whether it's Harvey Weinstein, Hollywood, lecturing you on you, if you want, you know what? The only reason why you would oppose uh, dismembering little children is you hate women. From the same people that had a known, uh, it was, well, it was kind of, it was a known secret that Harvey Weinstein was a sexual predator. Brian Singer was a sexual predator. Just start naming people. Same thing. And now progressive academia. And rich people are bad. Wealth is bad. White privilege is bad. We have been looking, you know, as a kid born to a 15-year-old mom who grew up on a, whose, whose, whose mom uh, grew up in a home of a twice-divorced single mom uh, that, that, and the home was located in a part of Des Moines called the South Side Bottoms because that's where the quote-unquote white trash lived. Who, who I was on reduced school lunches as a kid. I We got ADC checks. I've actually had government cheese and Wahlberg is his right to include government cheese on their burgers. It's actually fairly underrated. Uh, but, uh, you know, as a kid who grew up in this kind of environment, I have been work. I've been wondering where, where was my white privilege all this time? Well, if you have been looking for what, what is white privilege? We finally found an example of it. And lo and behold, it came from the progressive utopia of academia. See, here's the thing about these schools. They only accept so many students every year. And these are all elite schools. University of Texas is one of the highest rated public universities in the country. USC is known as a football factory, but it's actually one of the highest rated private academic institutions in the country. Stanford is probably the highest rated academic institution in the country other than the Ivy League and the MIT. Uh, And oh, by the way, Ivy League and MIT, they're also involved in this as well. So here are, so every one of, you know, the left likes to talk about the world as a zero sum game. Every time someone gets rich, it means someone else gets poor. Well, we found a zero sum game as well. Because every one of those spots that Felicity Huffman and William H. Macy's kid took, and Lori Laughlin's daughters took, and all these famous political donors and their kids took, are spots that didn't go to a kid who actually did the work because they only take so many. So if you were looking, we've been, where's all this white privilege? We found it. Um, just like we actually found the people who hate women. They're wearing their jersey. They're on their team. And they were all this freaking time as well. There's your real white, priv- white privilege. And that tweet from Phil Kirpin today, remember how, my, how often have I told you this isn't about Trump? They don't hate Trump. Who have I told you they really hate? They really hate you. Your kid's working hard there, trying to get into USC, trying to get into Texas, trying to get into Harvard, trying to get into MIT. And some G-list actress whose last hit show was in, went off the air on TGI Fridays in 94, just plops down a half a mil from her syndication residuals for her daughters who are literally on Instagram putting out there, we're really not interested in school and just are here to party. Notice who all the political donations are to those people. Romney. And if I see if I see a video creepier than Mitt Romney and his birthday candles, good Lord. Are you kidding me? 
I don't even, Aaron, please don't put that in your montage. I can't, that's I'm the scariest thing I've watched this year. Kicking right? myself that I didn't today. Okay. Um, but it's, it's Romney, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, all there. It's the donor classes. People are all the ones that were bribing all these administrators and taking opportunities away from people like you, whose kids did work hard and couldn't get in. It's not about Trump. Don't just like we said yesterday with Tucker Carlson, you can despise his comments. We wouldn't stop you from doing it. Just don't do it for the reasons of media matters. Let you know about them because they don't care about integrity. They're so they're as soulless as you can get. They care about the fact Tucker Carlson's killing him in the ratings. Okay, and the same thing is here. You don't want to vote for Trump, and ain't like he hasn't given you reasons not to. But do it because your own conscience says not to do it, not because I can't believe I went on I went on CNN and they told me what he tweeted about a Mexican thug, and I just can't believe that they did. don't. Not, not, that's all fake, Cherry Girl. I'm gonna get you, sucker. Those aren't a real breast, real lips. It's not a real soul, not a real brain, not a real uh, talking points. All fake, all a lie. What this is really about is we hate regular people like you. And your kids can work as hard as they want. We'll completely screw them over to take the spot in the university that they deserve. So our kids can go because, you know, my daughters, I, I need to show up at the cocktail party in Manhattan at Christmas, or I'm sorry, for the winter solstice next year. And need to be able to say, my, look at the certificate my daughters earned. Okay. This isn't any ideology. It's elitism, pure and simple. Oldest scam in the book. More in a moment. All right, back here live and on demand on the blaze. You know, we're reaching, in fact, I think we're probably at that point in time. A lot of studies say it's somewhere between Valentine's Day, you know, with all the chocolate that gets bandied about and and St. Patty's Day, when a lot of uh, our resolve in those New Year's resolutions uh, tends to uh, begin to erode. And, you know, for a, lot of t- uh, for a lot of time when we were growing up, smoking and losing weight were the, the two most popular resolutions on a perennial basis. And uh, smoking's become less and less uh, socially acceptable. And there's been, you know, an, an, a whole new industry of, of products designed to help uh, smokers get their nicotine fixed without all the other... Uh, you know, uh, fillers and carcinogens and uh, you find in cigarettes, it's really now just uh, losing weight is kind of number one uh, with a bullet. And as someone that has uh, fought the, the battle of the bulge and uh, has won my share of victories, but has to continue to fight it at the same time, especially as I get older, you know, your metabolism just isn't the same. If, if I started just now, uh, at, at my age, um, at 45, if I, if I started tackling the fact I let myself get upward near as a 400 pounds at 45, I start doing it now. I, I don't know. I could do it, uh, just strictly with natural means, uh, because of where my metabolic rate is at. Luckily I, I started doing it 10 years ago when I was 35 and I hadn't hit that, uh, that crescendo or I'm, I mean that, uh, that nadir yet. So if that's you, um, let me introduce you to a new product. It's called Riduzone. And this is not a stimulant. If it was, we wouldn't be talking about it on the show. Uh, this is an all-natural supplement that is that really, if you look at the back of the bottle, it's got like three ingredients. The main ingredient is OEA, 
Uh, and this is a metabolic uh, regulator and booster that is naturally found in the human body. It's found in olive oil. Your body produces it, mine. Even some of our pets produce it as well in their physiology. But as we get older, our bodies produce a lot less. So the cool thing about Riduzone is you could get this OEA that you need to kick your metabolism in if you drank like a half a bottle of olive oil every day. And I love me my olive oil, but who wants to drink that much of it? Instead of doing that, just take one capsule of Riduzone instead. You'll get the exact same benefits and results. And right now, Riduzone is running 30% off a three-month supply if you use promo code Steve at Riduzone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Riduzone.com, promo code Steve for 30% off today. All right, let's welcome in our good friend, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz is here with us. So, Daniel, let me begin with your thoughts on watching one of our one of our heroes reduced to appearing on CBS News this morning to discuss uh, uh, paid family medical leave, where the government is kind enough to give you your money back that you earned. Only though, if you spend it the way government commands, and then you must pay government back. We are a long way from uh, Mike Lee going to Washington to burn it down, but this is what the system does to people like him. Every time we get somebody like that elected, they just look to put him in these boxes. Steve, there's a lot more profundity in that than I think you even realize, that we are at the point when we're getting all of the liabilities from our libertarian brethren but none of the assets, none of the benefits. We're getting the stinger, but not the honey. I call it the progressive libertarian mentality. Everyone has rights and needs and desires. There's there's just a lot of rights. We're all entitled to a lot of things. So we get kind of the free sex, free drugs, um, weak on crime. So, you know, last year I battled Senator Lee, unfortunately, on the fact that evidently the conservative thing to do now is to be the Willie Horton, Michael Dukakis agenda on crime. So at a time when crime is is spiking, we are all for being weak on crime and undermining everything that has resulted in probably the only positive social trend in the last two decades. All right. Okay. Libertarian nirvana. We're open borders. We're weak on crime. We've given up on so-called social issues. We love the courts. But let me tell you, we're going to have our rights and our freedom, free markets, Oh, well, nothing says libertarian like creating an entirely new entitlement program. Steve, I look, if you want to tell me you're scared of the left and you want to do this and we're going to go into debt as much as possible in order to get this done, then fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to look me in the eye and lie to me and tell me that we're going to create an entirely new entitlement, but don't worry, it's going to be budget you know, deficit neutral – because you tap your own social security lockbox and um, that the minute you sign off on this and let this out of the bottle, somehow it won't blow up into its own thing that will be funded beyond your right. own social security account, which you don't have anyway. And the notion that somehow when the first generation of those who tap this hit near retirement, there wouldn't be a crisis that government would go and pay them back this money is it is completely unfounded. And that's even before getting into the labor 
distortions and the market distortions. We could talk about what, that. What's, what's libertarian but, about government lets you have your money only if you spend it the way government uh, thinks is uh, morally prudent? What, what, what's Randian about that? Do you know? What, what, what page of, uh, of Atlas Shrugged is, is that quote from, do you think? Well, I, I think it's from the virtue signaling progressive. We're all progressives now. So not all libertarians will put this out. I'm sure the Cato Institute doesn't support this. But it's not like they're effectively opposing it, and what they do support on uh, being nice to uh, criminals, that is being successful. So what I've noticed with the libertarians is what they'll do is they'll take the left, and then they'll convince themselves of the things that the left's doing that they believe is also libertarian, and they'll put their assets into achieving that. But then when it comes to the things that the left opposes – well, I, I'm not going to go up against them. I mean, that's too that's too difficult. That's that's broadly what we're seeing here. And I think, you know, another thing you alluded to on Twitter, and it's the same thing with Mike Lee. Mike Lee is very into Article 1 of the Constitution. He's very concerned about um, executive power grabs infringing upon Article 1 powers, congressional powers. What's interesting is, see, <laughs> there's something called the Article 3 branch of government which is supposed to be even weaker, which is unelected and unaccountable. And let's say by a factor of one or two, the executive branch over the years has grown in power. And we you know, all agree it's broadly speaking, it's a problem. By a factor of 10 million, the judicial branch has grown in power. And they are now denuding Congress of every single um, power, including the power over immigration, which set this entire thing into motion. And I've never heard a word from Mike Lee. And I, I don't want to just single him out. Really, all of them. Right. And but Mike Lee I, in particular, I, I think I've never a, heard a word. This is so, a good so point words, for some uh, clarification. The reason we're singling him out isn't – we're not ignoring the fact he has the best liberty score at Conservative yeah. Review. It is actually why we're singling him out. Because he has the best liberty score, the system is now – they're literally – they're literally they're, – they're doing the political equivalent of packing his closet with prost, with hookers and prostitutes. I mean, they, they are literally doing whatever they can to cor to corrupt somebody like that, put them in a box where there's no alternative but to succumb to the temptation. And then once they do, they get to then turn around to people like us and say, see, that's why you shouldn't fight us. Instead, make sure you have your seat before the music stops playing so you can sit in and have your suckling spot on the government teat as well. Because of who he is, that made him a target and they were looking for him to become their ghetto pass essentially for lack of a better word let's come up with some way where mike lee will sign off on this and now we can claim it's constitutional this is the game it was rick santorum in another era it's mike lee today it was Rand paul you know endorsing uh you know uh mitch mcconnell over uh matt bevan it'll be ted cruz next week this is the game of the system period end of sentence the name Names change, but the scam does not. That's why I wanted to bring in a couple of examples because basically everyone decided the the swamp is the swamp. We all want to drain the swamp. Oh, but that's kind of hard. So what we do is we convince ourselves that there's an area of the swamp that's not so swampy, and we're going to help it, and really that's conservative. 
I mean, that that's the only thing psychologically you can do. The, the entire system is irremediably broken, and we need to come up with, with systemic ways of challenging the party, the movement, the system. But if we just want to put in a couple of diamonds into the landfill, they're just going to smell like the landfill, and they're, they're going to be faced at some point with an impossible decision. Either I need to just leave or just for my sanity, I have to convince myself that I'm doing something, that mm-hmm. I'm accomplishing something. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to accomplish something. Well, you're not going to accomplish something that's truly conservative because by definition, they're going to say no. So you have to take – that's what I mean. You have to take these avenues that you believe the other side agrees with, and that's why you're seeing this inconsistent philosophy that will all be into fighting back against executive power grabs. Oh, because uh, it's Donald Trump doing it, so the left will join with us. Right. But then the more egregious and deleterious and consequential and irrevocable power grabs of the judiciary, it's like, you know, no one will even say a word about, much less introduce a piece of legislation. Um, and, and that's the thing. You know, you saw again last year, Mike Lee was for doubling um, the refundable portion of the child tax credit, which is essentially welfare in the tax code. Again, nothing says libertarian like uh, more welfare pork in the tax code. But, you know, I'm a good person. Steve, I'm a good person. I like parental leave and the, the children and, and uh, you know, these poor people. It's in why prison. the clock is ticking on literally any of them once you get them elected. Any of them. Any of them. We got to put Chip Roy in a lockbox. Yeah, Yeah, people, you know, people have asked me. I know you and Chip are good friends, yet you almost never talk about him. This is why. I'll just can I'll be as transparent as I can possibly be, even about a personal relationship. I am paranoid that if I keep promoting and building him up into mythological status, I'm going to set the stage for Icarus to fly too close to the sun. So I've almost gone the other way of. I almost, except in our personal communications, I almost don't even acknowledge he's in Congress most days because I'm just afraid of the environment that he's in and just feeding it all the more. You know what I'm saying? Because I think, Steve, I think all of us are making a mistake. All of us are obsessed with heroes. We're looking for that one guy. We're like, you know, Smith Jones 2024. You know, all these memes that come out and this latest hotness. And I think what we need to understand is no one person could do this. I think if you and I were put in there, we'd be confronted with the same um, decision point where you either have to just leave or or try to make peace with some aspect. And then what happens then is that – and without mentioning names, I'm I'm getting getting this a little bit with people in the executive branch of government. You think you get your guys in there, but instead all that happens is the swamp uses them as a conduit to convince conservatives – that the uh, feces being thrown their way is really water. I mean, that that is their purpose is actually to to tell conservatives to stand down. They use their clout with the conservative movement to be ambassadors mm-hmm. um, to the swamp or for the swamp rather than ambassadors for us. Because at the end of the day, until and unless we could reach critical mass to shove the world, as I think it was Archimedes who said, if you could put me outside of the universe, I could conceptually conceive of something some sort of lever to pull the earth but as long as you're in it you just you just can't do it and that's the thing until we could create a critical mess to change this game if we try to play the same game you're just going to take good guys and put them in a bad system 
and and they become like you know they become part of the problem. All right, we've got about five minutes left. Let, I want to tap your uh, expertise and knowledge on actual policy with that time before we let you go on, on 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 two issues: the budget and then also the border. So let's start with the budget. If I'm reading this right, this is kind of a better version of what Paul Ryan proposed, which is a 25 year balanced budget with no cuts now, so we don't have to run on we're cutting anything. Even though Democrats will then still accuse us in the next election of cutting things we're not actually cutting. But maybe that's too cynical. Your thoughts? That's actually exactly the story, except it's it's worse. It's it's the f- okay, it's good. The first- <laughs> <It's worse>. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my job. I mean, what do you want me to do? Um, you that's know, your vanity it- plate. That's Daniel Horowitz's <laughs> vanity plate when he's driving around there. Uh, the Horowitz family in Maryland. The vanity plate says it's worse. It uh, anyway, I'm worse. sorry. Go ahead, Daniel. Um, look, it's the Paul Ryan budget four years later. In other words, locking in the record baselines that the Trump administration created from refusing to fight the first seven times they had budget deadlines, plus a farm bill, plus a debt ceiling bill with two years in in control of the trifecta of government. So, you know, then they're stuck with all this baseline. So now we're up to 56 trillion in spending over 10 years. Um, and here's the deal. Even the the debt that they have in there, about seven and a half trillion over 10 years, is BS because they assume three percent or more growth every year for 10 years. And we even we didn't even get it last year, which is the peak. We're already down right. from it. This year is going to be lower. Would we have four um, quarters in Obama's eight years. Where we had three percent growth or better. Was it only yeah. four out of his whole eight years? Right. Something yeah, and like that. And the reason why we will never achieve that. We will never achieve four and five again. I predicted that. And we will never achieve three in the long run, although we. We actually just missed it even even this past year is because of that very debt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's that that's the thing. Now, with that said, meaning when you're servicing a large debt, it limits your ability to grow uh, because of the immediate expenditure taken right off the top of any productivity. That's what you're saying, right? Yes, because so much of the capital is being misallocated mm-hmm. and it's going into essentially creating Democrat votes. Right. I mean, that's that's what it is. So the one good thing is it does on the discretionary spending, which is 30 percent of the budget, it does try to pick a fight with the Democrats and say we're going to allow the caps to expire at the end of the year. Now, here's the problem with that, Steve. It's not what you concoct in March on a piece of paper that matters. It's what you'll fight for in September when the rubber meets the road and you actually have the fight to enact it. That's what matters. I'll, I'll take this, this budget. I'll take it. If they'll fight for 10 percent of it. Mm-hmm. But my question is, if they were scared of a government shutdown when they had trifecta control, how are they going to get this in September when they don't have the house? Finally, the border, Chris Crane, uh, the ice, uh, the head of ice, uh, and it, it, he is relaying some uh, problematic messages to the White House. I know you're close to the story. Can you relay them to our audience here in about two minutes? Go ahead. Sure. So we, we know that catch and release is obviously continuing. Any organism that crosses the border, by the way, even on the other side of a border fence where we have them, where the agents are being sent around to schlep them back. So we're bringing them in to the country. And then anyone who's brought in, um, not even 20 days anymore, it's usually within 40 hours, they're, 48 hours, they're let, let out and they're into our country. So that's obvious. What Chris Crane was accusing, he was accusing Border Patrol is directed by Secretary Nielsen to have ICE expend their um, resources to do the catch and release. So rather than CBP signing the release papers, they're making ICE come along with them and literally open the van doors 
of the transports from CBP to just drop off these illegals at airports, bus stations, and places like Phoenix, El Paso. Um, so my understanding of it is between the lines, it's so CBP can continue to say Border Patrol is not continuing catch and release. Mm. Now, I would think that's kind of weird, and I don't know if you could trust Crane, but I'll tell you, Trump tweeted out, we're not, we've ended catch and release. So it really makes me wonder if there's a lot of truth to his story. So essentially, the president and his, his the head of his own immigration enforcement are at odds over what the actual policy is, is what you're telling us. Well, he's the head of the union. The for, union, um, yes. For yeah. that, um, the the, know, the union good, that represents the agents. I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a good guy. I just will point out he was passed over as ICE director. He's kind of ticked off about that. Um, but kudos to him for sacrificing his Fox News career. <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> no. A lot of that going around, I heard. Yeah, Daniel Horowitz, <laughs> uh, our, our political analyst here, uh, the prophet of woe and lamentation from Conservative Review. Thanks for being with us today on The Blaze. Always good to see you, brother. Take care. You too. You guys have any quick reaction to what we just heard from Daniel? Just going back to the start of it with Mike Lee, that's really the only reason I want to run for Congress, run to be in a legislature. To see if anybody could pull it off? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I think that's why well, I can, I, I, I'm, it's hard when your friends are in there, how much do you, cause I think, I think that was part of Chip's motivation as well. Not just, you know, try to do something for the next generation. Well, if you're smart, you know how hard Because he worked be, yeah. on the other side of the equation, working for Ted Cruz and John Cornyn. He saw as a staffer, the constant pressure that those guys are put yeah. under. You know, you know, and then you wonder, hey, I'm kind of out here Monday morning quarterbacking. What if I'm in the arena? Could I right? could I withstand it? Right. Yeah. All right. When we come back, we're going to poke the bear with uh, today's truth bomb. What's a shadow ban? What does it actually look like when you're shadow banned by a social media giant? We're going to show it to you uh, when we return right here, live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. They are Todd and Aaron. And you, you are you. And you can let us know who you are by emailing us. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. D-E-A-C-E for those of you listening today via Blaze Radio or on the podcast. And if you are listening to us today via the podcast platform of your choice, if you haven't done so already, please leave us a five-star review. If you have already done so, uh, don't cheat. Uh, we're not Democrats. We don't believe in stuff in the ballot box here. One man, one vote. All right. So thank you to those of you that have left us a five-star review. If you have yet to do so, please consider doing it today. Thank you on both accounts. You can also like us on Facebook. More on them in a minute. And you can follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Did you know there are only four major cell phone carriers in the country. In fact, one of them is competing against another right now by with, with by literally acknowledging that their network is not as good as their competitor, but it's only like a 1% difference. And they're literally putting in their ads, hey, we have virtually the same network, but we're cheaper. You should go with us. That just kind of verifies this, you know, the, the idea that there's only really four of these companies. And the reason why is how expensive it is to put up these towers and manage them all over the country. 
So really the only major difference between one mobile phone carrier to another is what they do with the money that you give them. And that's why you want to check out Patriot Mobile. The CEO of Patriot Mobile is a former combat veteran who served in both Iraq wars as well as Afghanistan. He and the founders of Patriot Mobile realized the left, you know, they're always using their money to support their interests, fund their causes. Why can't conservatives do the same? Join the thousands. If you agree, join the thousands that are using Patriot Mobile today. It's easy to switch, and there's unlimited talking and text plans starting as low as $20 a month. Mention the blaze when you give them a call. 1-800-A-PATRIOT. The uh's got to be in there, okay? 1-800-A-PATRIOT. If you mention the blaze when you call, or if you go to patriotmobile.com slash blaze, um, you'll get a free activation on up to two lines, all right? So mention the blaze when you call the switch at 1-800-A-PATRIOT or just go online to patriotmobile.com slash blaze. You'll get free activation on up to two lines with our friends at Patriot Mobile. It is now time for today's Truth Bomb brought to you by my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise, endorsed by the great one Mark Levin, the very popular one right now, uh, Ben Shapiro, the one who wants to always dazzle you with, how come I hate all the stuff America likes, Matt Walsh? <laughs> That's like every third tweet from Matt Walsh. I hate whatever, what average America likes. Um, uh, who else uh, endorsed this thing? Uh, the uh, the pontificating one. I'm coming up with nicknames on the fly here. The uh, the commercially one, Matt Walsh. The pontificating one, Glenn Beck. Um, the he's everywhere one, Dan Bongino. Uh, they all endorsed this new book. I needed their endorsements because you like them more than me because you populate their stuff more than mine. So I, I needed someone else's word other than mine to, to convince you to take a look at the book. Thankfully, they provided there. So if you don't trust me that it's worth your time, you have proven you trust them. Take their word for it. Get your copy today at Amazon.com. If you've already done so and you've read it and you like what you've read, please consider leaving us a five-star review there at Amazon. We appreciate you doing that. Appreciate all of you that did that already as well. So there's a lot of talk these days about conservatives being shadow banned on social media. What does the term actually mean? How do we quantify it? Well, I'm going to give you a first person testimonial to what a shadow banning looks like. Because I'm pretty confident when it comes to Facebook, I've been shadow banned. But again, we love data on this show. All right. And facts don't care about your feelings. Right. So let's look at some actual facts. Why do I think we've been shadow banned on Facebook? Well, let's start with this. As of March 12th, which was yesterday, for those of you that went to public school, as of March 12th, Facebook claimed that I had 106,370 likes on my public Facebook page as of yesterday. Now, Facebook claims I added 84 likes this week which is pretty close to what it claims I've added each week for quite some time now. But is that true? On February 12th, 30 days prior, Facebook claimed I had 106,253 likes. How is it possible I'm adding about 80 new likes a week, but in a span of more than four weeks, Facebook also claims my likes only increased by a grand total of 17. How is that possible? It's the new math, Steve. Indeed, it is. On September 1st of last year, 
right before interest in the election kicked into high gear and when when shows like mine always get bigger audiences and right before we added the blaze which is now the second largest conservative media platform in the industry behind only fox all right so before the election interest kicked in before we came over to the blaze and we added its sizable audience to our own facebook said we had 106,288 likes how is it possible We've added only 82 total likes since joining the Blaze several months ago. How is that possible? On May 1st of last year, Facebook claimed I had 106,548 likes. How is it possible that I had 178 more Facebook likes, more likes, before coming to the Blaze than we do now. How is that possible? On September 1st of 2017, Facebook claimed I had 106,407 likes. How is it possible I had 37 more likes 18 months ago than I do now? Especially when Twitter, which isn't nearly as big as Facebook. What do I mean by that? Well, about 80% of all Twitter accounts are outside of the U.S., About 25% of Americans have an active Twitter account, and far fewer have more than 1,000 followers. Meanwhile, about 80% of Americans have a Facebook account. That's what I mean by Facebook is far bigger than Twitter. That exact same month, Facebook said I added 674 new followers in 28 days. How is that possible? How is it possible that I am adding more followers on Twitter, a substantially smaller platform, in 28 days than I am adding on Facebook in a period of years? How does that work? But let's continue, shall we? The furthest Facebook's analytics will allow me to go back into their data is March 1st of 2017. On that day... Facebook claimed I had 105,596 likes. How is it possible I've added only 774 likes on Facebook in two years, but in the last 28 days on Twitter, I've added over 600? How is that possible? Now, some of you may say, well, Steve, you know, it's net likes. People could be dropping off. Okay. Our public page was created on March 3rd, 2014. On March 6th, 2015, Facebook congratulated me for crossing 50,000 likes on that page. That's right. We added 50,000 likes in one year when I was on a network called USA Radio Network, which went bankrupt. Okay. This is before I became nationally syndicated on Salem, one of the biggest radio companies in America. Before I got involved in the high-profile Ted Cruz presidential campaign, which put me on cable news all of the time. And before I came to the blaze. So without the blaze, the second largest conservative media platform on this continent, before I got involved uh, as one of the public faces of the one of the most popular presidential campaigns in the last cycle, and before I got nationally syndicated by one of the largest radio platforms in America, 
All right. Before any of those things happened, I got 50,000 likes on Facebook in a year before any of those things got added to my portfolio. How is it possible that I added 50,000 likes on Facebook in one year before I, before I got access to any of those assets? And at the same time, Facebook now claims I've added, since gaining those assets, 56,000 total likes in four years. How is that possible? How does that math work? Answer, this doesn't make sense. There are several possible explanations for this, and all of them are bad. This is what a shadow banning looks like. Are you, gentlemen, convinced? Or could there be another explanation out there that we seemingly are getting less popular the larger the platform grows? So the last sentence there is key. This doesn't make any sense. There are several possible explanations for this, and all of them are bad. I think there's only three explanations for this, but the last part of that is is completely true all of all three of them are bad either a you are really 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 bad at this like really bad at this and yet somehow you keep getting access to big platforms for some reason mass confusion i don't know so either you're really bad at this um there just isn't a market for calling bs on both sides or you're being shadow banned. Now, maybe I, I might be wrong. I, I don't think any of those are good options, are there? Are, are they? I don't think any of those are good options. I think those are pretty much the only three options that are out there. Um, I don't think I don't think any of them can be simultaneously true at the same time. I, especially the first two. You're really bad at this, and there's no market for you. Then why do you keep getting access to platforms? Why do we keep getting paid to do this? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Those are, that's just what I think though. Three how, options. We added how many reviews on iTunes last week? It was uh, in the neighborhood of 200. That's one podcasting platform. One. We added 200 reviews last week on one pad podcasting platform. On the, uh, on one, on another pl- uh, podcasting platform, by the way, we're holding steady around, uh, number 50 in the news and politics, uh, Stitcher. We're holding steady around there, uh, per, you know, week by week. Uh, we're not in the top 200 in iTunes too. So that's kind of fishy. That's another topic for another day. Explain to me how we can add 200 reviews on iTunes. In a week, we can add as many reviews on iTunes in a week, a third of the total amount of likes I've added on Facebook in the last two years. How, how is that possible, Todd? Because they want it that way. They don't like you. This is not complicated. Uh, It will go on. There's no, is there any broad conservative movement to really fix this by abandoning it? Uh, In mass, that is the quickest way everybody could do something. Uh, You mean like all the conservative media giants just decided, you know what, we're just going to leave and form our own community. community, Screw you. Yeah. But really, right now, Facebook is openly taunting you and others, and they're basically saying, what are you guys going to do about it? Because the wheel. In the sky, just keeps on turning, uh, Steve Perry. We just keep doing this over and over again. This is this is just a microcosm of 
what conservatives tend to complain about in in general uh the, the lay of the land of uh, the raw deal but again and i know it's on bingo now so you're listening what are you prepared to do it's almost always nothing when we hear about this you know when our, our friends at project veritas have whistleblower videos and things of that nature mm-hmm. um we it's never quantified what does it look like the reality is if they shadow ban mark levin or glenn beck which i'm sure if we're on their radar i mean those guys are in a different they're in a different area code than us mm-hmm. right you know we, we might live in a really nice suburb from a conservative media standpoint though those guys are you know they're in the penthouse suite they're in the elite group of of, of what we do so if we're on their radar and getting shadow banned those guys are absolutely they got shadow banned like six months ago right they were they were number one or two on their list but they have also built such large followings that they're somewhat they're they're somewhat insulated from the full impact of what a facebook could do to them right for emerging voices for the for those that are bringing up the the next era the next the next echelon of those who will eventually work their way up into those places that's that's where the penalty see what they're making it harder for us to do is to create the next generation of glenn becks and mark levins they can't stop those guys. Those guys have built their followings. They've earned their street cred. They've got their New York Times bestsellers. They've built. They've become two of the most popular radio hosts of all time. So be sure Facebook is still doing whatever it can to screw them as well. But those guys are so have 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 are, have been have achieved a level now. They're somewhat insulated from this. What the Facebooks are trying to do is make it. We can't create any more Mark Levins. We can't create any more Glenn Becks. We can't create any more people like that. That's what they're trying to do. I agree. That's that. That's the goal. So that when those guys, when because time catches up to us all, you know, the death rate's a hundred percent. When those guys, when it's when those guys move on, that there's no that the 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 layer of infrastructure that can take the legacies that men like that have built and yep. take it on into the next generation. That's the goal here is to stop that from happening. What's the name of our network? The blaze. The blaze. What happens when you starve a blaze of oxygen? Uh, you, that's the greatest way to stop a blaze is you denied oxygen. Absolutely. That's that's the purpose of the shadow banning. And I thought our audience needed to see it quantified. What does it really look like? Well, it looks like the data that we just showed you. Let's get to this week's edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold. This is where our producer, Aaron, usually with help from his friends in the audience, puts forth a series of propositions on varying topics. Todd and I will then decide, are we going to buy that? Are we selling that? Uh, Do we have at least one good reason why that may be the case? And then once per show, uh, which is really once per week, we are permitted to put a hold on something. But if we do it for any reason other than that's just beneath the dignity of our intellectual capacity to address, then we will be mercilessly mocked for punking out in defiance of the dude code. Aaron. Starting with Constantinus Roditis. Take a drink. Yes, who sponsors but does not fund buy, sell, or hold. He says Joe Biden easily wins the Democratic nomination for president and defeats President Trump. So. Why are you selling? Yesterday's conversation. And it's, I just, he did the level, something miraculous will have to happen for that to come true. There, you, we've got to start believing the left is who they say they are. I, I By what road do they imagine in? Joe Biden coming out clean of what we're about to see from the left. I just, I can't, I, we, 
this we keep thinking with paradigms from that just aren't applicable anymore. I get it. It it it's not going to, it, and it certainly isn't going to happen easily. Um, I think he is the most problematic candidate for Trump because of the persona that he has crafted. And I I don't. You mean one on one? He's the most. Yes, problematic. yes, yeah. that's what I mean. And I I don't think he has. He he's. I don't think he's intimidated at all by. Agreed. The the trolling or anything of that Agreed. nature. In fact, you know, that's kind of, uh, I don't think he's as good at it as Trump, but it, he that's kind of his natural habitat as well. Um, he's not going to get Focahontas by Trump, for example. That's that's not going to happen. But um, I, I think it's the first part of your proposition, Mr. Oditis, that is the problematic part, that I don't think he can easily win the Democratic nomination. And I think... In many respects, he is what Jeb Bush was in the last cycle. He is representative of a paradigm that is gone. And, you know, Jeb Bush, uh, you know, I put out this, the, the commercial on New Year's Day of 2015. And, you know, he didn't, Cruz was the first to officially announce. Uh, that was the speech he gave at Liberty, right? It was in March of 2015, I think. He was the first of the so. candidates that officially announced. But, you know, to say he was going to seek, you know, they always do this thing where they form the exploratory committee first, and then they officially announced. No, who, anybody ever formed an exploratory committee, by the way, and came back and said, you know, we spent uh, six months looking at this and nobody wants me to run. I mean, has anybody ever done that? Maybe they have. I don't know. But um, And then, you know, Jeb Bush had the $100 million in the bank, right, and all this other stuff. Um I remember when Cruz brought me down to Houston in January of 2015 to try to sell me on his candidacy. And he laid out strategically what he thought um, the path to the nomination for him was. And their whole strategy was at the time, it was going to be somebody in Jeb Bush at the end, like it was somebody in Rick Sam Tor- somebody in Mitt Romney at the end, somebody in John McCain at the end, right? Okay. And so they wanted to be that somebody next to the establishment candidate and that this environment, which when it wouldn't let, um, you know, Romney was the, was the conservative candidate in a way, if you can believe that or no, you know, him and Huckabee kind of fought for that. The didn't, it, it wouldn't provide the alternative to McCain in a way, a, a path to victory. It didn't provide Rick Santorum as the last remaining somebody other than Mitt Romney candidate in 12, that the environment in 16 would provide an opportunity for victory for somebody other than Jeb Bush candidate. And that was Romney's whole or, or Cruz's whole strategy. Donald Trump wasn't even in the conversation that was had that day down there in Houston when we had the meeting um, because the, the full acknowledgement that the base wanted to move on from that paradigm and with not even Ted Cruz who had benefited from the base moving on from that paradigm, which is why he was even in this position still could not fathom a world yet. And neither could I, I'm not, I couldn't either fathom a world where Jeb Bush would be a non-factor. He'd be national lampooned out of this thing, right? Right. And I think we've got to consider, guys, there's a story that didn't even make Aaron's montage today. More anti-Semitism from the Democratic Party. The, the, now, and he's Jewish by birth, not by any semblance of belief. Bernie Sanders, remember this deputy press secretary of his that we were all genuflecting to last week because she's the illegal alien? Remember this? 
Turns out she also loves, when she's not being an illegal alien, she loves anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. The whole Elon Omar dual uh, allegiance thing that she was pimping that got her in trouble a couple weeks ago. Well, Bernie Sanders, illegal alien deputy press secretary, was on her Facebook wall pimping the same conspiracy theory. So, And I think Joe recognizes this paradigm has shifted, which is why he's giving speeches overseas about how bad America is. And he's saying white males are the source of basically this is a Don Lemon, uh, you know, opening monologue. I, I think he recognizes that the paradigm is shifting. And so he's trying to talk street, for lack of a better description. Jeb Bush never tried that. Because, you know, Jeb Bush, frankly, has more human personal dignity. So God bless him. Jeb Bush is like, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be Jeb Bush. Yes. Okay. You, you've forgotten. Please clap. <laughs> and please clap. Yeah. He, Jeb Bush, like, no one's going to buy this, guys. If I, if I come out here as uh, ultimate culture warrior with the face paint for WrestleMania 6, no one's buying this. All right. So I'm, I just got to run as technocratic Jeb Bush. And if it works, great. All right. So Jeb Bush had enough dignity left where he just couldn't bring himself to, like, you know, try to talk street. But Joe Biden is going to go out there with trying to put you all in chains. He's already doing it. So the problem with that is it may be effective for Joe to eke out 28, 30% in a primary and get the nomination. But all that stuff's going on tape for the general election. And I think the, the dilemma the Democrats have is if they're going to go ahead and just be the full onboard intersectionality party, you can't have an old white guy be the voice of that, right? right. It's got to be someone who identifies with the aggrieved. What sense does it, it makes no strategic sense on any level to say we're just really going to just run on just, you know, uh, we're the Jesse Smollett party guys. And, and, they, and then run out there with a 72-year-old white guy? That makes no sense at all. And listen, you look at the past. They feel they've been successful and they have the thinking that got Obama past Hillary the first time. They feel that basically, if it's not for that evil electoral college, that they got Hillary over the hump. They're not going to go back against something they fundamentally believe has right. been working. Because here's the thing. That's exactly how Joe Biden gets Focahontas. See, one-on-one. Joe, Joe Biden, with the career he's built up and down, and the, he won't get Focahontas. But if he tries to be, he tries to talk street, if he tries to be the sister soldier candidate, that is now where he is. He essentially has, I'm, uh, I'm one of 1,024th victim. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that is where Donald Trump is just going to just throat punch him to oblivion because he puts him, he's boxed himself into an indefensible position. And I don't believe there's any room for, hi, I'm the adult in the room candidate in this field. I I don't. I don't think that candidate, I think that candidate gets booed off the stage. So, sell. And we took a long time on this because I think it requires more of a breakdown than 30 seconds one way or the other. Nope, I totally agree. Uh, Next one, Chuck Gregory, Disney's newest remake, Aladdin, bombs at the box office later this year. Uh, Sal, it's from uh, Chuck Gregory. The by the way, I've not watched the trailer. It just no. came out yesterday. Uh, watched it with my wife, and we both had the same reaction. That that looks really fun, really good. I I, I don't. Even, I've never even seen the cartoon Aladdin. That's you the, haven't. That's oh, one it's I, phenomenal. Well, so, and I don't. But I don't I've never s- seen Bambi. I've never seen the original Dumbo. I didn't watch a lot of the original Disney's when I was a kid. This just it, it felt right. All of the songs are in there. Um, I, it looks it looks like um, it looks magical, really. Now, I didn't get into this, and you always hear me say Twitter's not America, right? 
but the Twitter backlash against Will Smith and the in the genie garb. I haven't watched the trailer yet. How does it look? He's in the trailer a lot, and he's good, and he's funny, and he's not. He's blue when he pops out of the genie, and he's really large. But then he comes down to human size, and he's also just Black Will Smith. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why that happens, but uh, he he looks really good. And blue I, face. Were we really? Will Smith is he bad? Will Smith is just as bankable as it gets, isn't it? He looks solid. Pretty close. All right. Also, okay. Already, you, you can you sold me. Okay, unselling. Uh, Russell Rice says, uh, let's see, the Cleveland Browns will make the playoffs. And this is a two-part one. I'll okay. get to the next one next. Bye. Yeah. Right now, it's the best. They still have $50 million in cap. It's the best roster in the AFC right now. They've got, I think, maybe the best defensive line in the NFL. No one's even talking about that. Um, you look at the skill position talent. This is like Rams' greatest show on turf kind of stuff. You have Jarvis Landry, OBJ, at receiver, David Njoku, one of the best playmaking tight ends in the NFL. Uh, then you have a, a backfield of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. These two guys, the last two years, were the leading rookie rushers in the league. And then you throw in, you, you have the number one overall pick in the draft two years ago at quarterback, who was the, who, um, what did he throw for 3,000 some odd yards as a rookie last year and put up tremendous stats in Baker Mayfield. You look at the rest of their division, uh, Ravens are getting older. Steelers are clearly at a crossroads, and then you have the Bengals. I I, I think absolutely they're going to make the playoffs. They were only a game away from making the playoffs this year yep. before they added all so, of these guys. I think it's the best roster okay. in the AFC. And Todd? Bye. How reluctantly bye. Yeah, I'm going to sell. I got to see it to believe it. Uh, the next if one, it was, though. Hold on before you go there. If, if everything I just said had a... Um, uh, um, another uniform. If it had the Ravens uniforms, that's exactly why. All that's right. ex- that's exactly why. And I-, I somewhat get that, but this is Baker. This is why I thought they should have picked Baker Mayfield last year over Sam Darnold. It's not that I didn't. Th- I, I still think Sam Darnold was. I think he had the highest QBR in the NFL the final month of the year. Okay, I think Sam Darnold's going to be a really good quarterback. Pairing him with Le'Veon Bell, brilliant move by the Jets. Okay. But what Sam Darnold's not, you know, his grandfather was the original Marlboro man. If you followed him in college, he really is the strong, silent type. He he is not, I'm going in and taking over your clubhouse. And in New York City, that's probably a good fit, actually. But when you're the Cleveland Browns and you were 0-16 and you are the face of futility, you needed someone with some... What's the Nazareth song I'm thinking of? Some hair of the dog. You know what I'm saying? Jackassery. You, you, you need some of that. You need the guy grabbing his junk against Kansas. It's not, it's one thing to grab your junk against Texas. Dude is talking trash to Kansas. Okay? You need you needed a guy to go in there and say, Yeah, we're not. Stay in your lane, bro, and not stay in his lane. Needed a guy to go in there and say, This be my lane. And you needed a guy to do for that franchise what Brett Favre did for yours. And just say, we're not that team we've been for the last decade or so anymore. My personality will make sure of it. And he uh, took a great step to doing that last year, but he has not done that yet, which is why I'm going to sell only on that uh, alone. Bitter Chief, uh, Elliot, Bitter Chief, Bitter Chief's yeah, will sell. Uh, Elliot Evans says the uh, Cleveland Browns will win more playoff games next season than Detroit Lions have in the last 50 years. How many is that again? Well, 50, hold on. It? We're up against the break, aren't we? Is that yeah. the music? Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll answer this question when we come back. Stay tuned.
So you guys have heard me talk about uh, Dawn to Dusk, the uh, all-natural uh, energy boost from our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. I actually turned over the bottle uh, this morning because I, I part of my regimen is I tip is I typically use it on a Wednesday because that's my kickboxing day. So it's a heavy cardio day. So just an added extra energy boost when I first get up and I turned over the bottle this morning. And, and one of the things it says it can actually improve moods because with the higher energy level, you know, your mood tends to improve when you have more energy. Like when you're tired and cranky, you tend to be crankier, right? Well, that explains why when, I, because when I take uh, Zoe and Noah go to work out with me on Wednesdays, it's basically homeschool PE and Zoe and Noah go to work out with me on Wednesdays and you know, I'm usually like this ball of energy and they're like, oh, whatever. And they're totally annoyed every time, you know, cause like, I'm like hyped up, let's get ready to go, you know? So I guess that's an, that's another benefit of from dawn to dusk, because one of the coolest things about being a parent it not, it doesn't rank high, quite as high as embarrassing your kids. That ranks up there pretty high. Don't you think? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that's one of the, that's one of the true joys of, of parenthood is embarrassing your kids. When you reach that age that you care about nothing and they're at that age where they care about everything, it's one of my favorite times. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> but another cool thing is when you're all doing something together that they don't want to do and you're like all hyped up to do it and you just you know, do the motivational equivalent of pouring hot coals over their head. Hey, like, I don't know why, but Noah gets totally annoyed when I do the whole Hans and Franz thing. I'm here to pump you up. He just shakes his head, walks away, right? So I, 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 that's another benefit for why you want to check out from dawn to dusk. Don't buy, listen, if, if, if you're buying your energy boost where you pump your gas and you, you get uh, your, uh, your, your sushi, that you probably shouldn't be eating that either. Don't, 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 don't put in your body an energy boost you got at the gas station. All right. The gas station, the first word there is gas, which means its primary product is gas. It's not the energy station. It's the gas station. All right. Get your energy from the sources, nature and your creator intended. And that's why you want to check out this groundbreaking formula, dawn to dusk, no jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, and no sugar. And right now you can try it at BrickHouseSteve.com. Get your bottle of this groundbreaking formula for 15% off of your first order today at BrickHouseSteve.com, promo code Steve, to get 15% off today. All right, back to buy, sell, or hold. Can we put the part yep. two back up there? All right, uh, so. Elliot Evans says the Cleveland Browns will win more playoff games next season than the Detroit Lions have in the past 50 years. Both of you said they will make the playoffs. You buy that. Do you buy this? This is taking with, one with the caveat forward. that if Baker he- Baker Mayfield's healthy most sure. of the year, yeah. I think they're almost a lock to make the playoffs. Okay, now to put this in perspective, if you look at the Cleveland Browns history, the look on Todd's face, I, I, I can just tell. At first, you found you found my drain circling with the Lions. You found it entertaining. Oh, very much. Now I I, I sense that it you are fatigued by it. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm not fatigued by it, but it, this is where people really realize. You, how, you were just talking how about how broken I truly am. But you're just talking about to, from uh, dawn till dusk and how chipper that makes you. That is now dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, notice a pall has come over the yes. studio here as we transitioned. Um, this is why I say my Lions are the most futile organization in American team sports. When most people think it's the Browns. 
if you if if you if you just if you take away what the Ravens have done since the original Cleveland Browns moved to Baltimore, okay, it's a separate franchise, and the NFL now let the Cleveland keep the old Cleveland Brown stats and legacy when they brought the franchise back in 1999. All right, if you look at the Cleveland Browns history, my Lions last won a title on December 28, 1957. So we're almost a decade before the Super Bowl era began, almost with your Packers. Um, that was their last title. Since winning that title, the Lions have one playoff victory, and it came in the 1991 divisional playoffs against the Dallas Cowboys at the old Silverdome, 38 to six. All right, that's that was the Mike Hutley thumbs up year when he got hurt and broke his oh, back and okay. got paralyzed. Right? Um, they have not won a division title since 1993. They beat your Packers on the last day of the year in the Silverdome. And then the two teams played again the next week in the yep. playoffs. And I think Sterling Sharp is still open. Um, I, I, Wide open. Yeah. 50 I, yards not field. Because that's not Brett Favre never threw it to him, right? So I can see why he would totally deceive the Lions defense by getting 70 yards behind the closest. To, when you watch that game, you can watch it on YouTube. There is literally no one in a blue uniform in the frame. Okay. Literally. Sterling's just like, yes. Hi, guys. Yes. That, and so that was the last division title the Lions won that was a quarter century ago. But Steve, the Browns are worse, are they? Since December 28th, 1957, my Lions have one playoff win. Do you know how many the Browns have? Oh, I'd since then, I'd bet they have 10. You're close, actually. Eight. Yeah. The Browns have won eight playoff games since then. Uh, we go to uh, Sam Ritigliano and the Brian Sipe years, the Bernie Kosar, yeah. you know, years with, uh, you know, uh, um, Biner and Mack in the yeah. backfield. Great team. Yep. They had the two years in a row where they should have beaten the Browns in the AFC Championship game, right? And John Elway the, the got Broncos, over on them. Yeah. Or the yeah. Broncos, I'm yeah. sorry, got over on them two years in a row. So they've won eight playoff games since 1957 the Cleveland Browns have, since the Detroit Lions have won one. So the, uh, now I think the Lions have really improved their team. And what's hard for me, it's hard for me to analyze the Lions objectively as my favorite team, but not in the way that it's hard for most fans to analyze them objectively. I mean, most fans have a tendency to way over inflate how good their team is, right? Correct. I hate that. Uh, yeah, yeah. My, my, it's the other way around for me. No, me too. Yeah, I have a hard time. I truly hate my favorite team. I'm calling BS on Todd there. Can't. Yeah, no. I, I, it's also okay to say when I actually have good teams. I don't overinflate. Are my we going to do Iowa and Wisconsin again? No. He wants okay. to. I'm right. just sitting here doing your thing. He wants to. I, wants to, hey, what, I didn't do it, Dad. Hey, I was. He started yeah, it. Yeah. What did I come in here and say this morning, Todd? <laughs> yeah, I know. That was great. And yeah. you confided it to me, which is so special. Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. Sorry. Now, I, I struggle to observe my favorite team objectively, but not from an overinflation. I I am literally on Twitter the first time they punt in the uh, in the game. Same old Lions. I, I mean, I, I am I am beyond broken. I am disemboweled. I, I have been disintegrated. I have contaminated i i I, I watched you i watched your i saw your tweet the other day where you said that they made some major moves or major upgrades a major upgrade to the lions i'm like i'm so sorry steve if you want to know hey what did her remains look like the founder of earth day when he composted his girlfriend in the trunk of his car after he murdered her if you want to know what is a what is a what are the what do composted remains look like it looks like my twitter account 
on Lions Sunday game day. That's that's what it looks like. So I I have a hard time seeing them objectively. That being said, I think the Browns are a legitimate Super Bowl contender, which they'd have to win two playoff games to get there. Um, the Lions have won one playoff game since 1957. I, I am, I'm going to buy that. Absolutely, I'm buying that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can actually see the Lions being a playoff team next year, depending on what they do in the draft. They've already closed a lot of their holes. Uh, the defense end of the year, top 10 defense in the NFL. And I could see them um, being a team, especially in the division they're in. We just saw the Bears go from a top 10 pick in the draft to hosting a playoff game. and that, that, So they're in the right division, oh, so, as are wait, the Browns. But so they'd have to win two for this for me to buy this, correct? Or just one. If the, if the Lions don't make or a, the playoffs and the Browns... Yeah. Because I, I think... I'll give them one, but I'm not prepared to give the even with that roster. I'm not prepared to give them two. Yet. I'm going to buy. I think the Browns are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. I do. All righty, you heard it here first. Fu Paladin. Uh, that's Fordham University, by the way. Uh, the reason progressives have moved so far to the left recently is that the GOP is moderated so much. In the same time, demonizing the right is all they've got. So their positions have to become further left to call the right extreme. Sell. I'm going to sell. Um, I think you're. Overthinking it. You're overthinking it. You're hovering over the target, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, you're trying to critically think. So yeah. props for that. All right. But I think it's I think it's not because they they're selling. You're right that the you're right in that there is a symbiotic relationship there, and I think we would all agree yes. to that to some extent. That the Republicans moving so far to the left. It's not that they need this to demonize. It's that the Republicans are helping them move the Overton window to the left. And so now they think we can be more honest. And then there's a Trumpian component to this as well. They, they, they believe that the whole country is CNN's primetime lineup and that, you know, because that, that everybody hates Trump. And so since everybody hates Trump, that gives them another reason that they can get away with being more honest about who they are because Trump is so, uh, so disliked in their minds that they can uh, be more upfront and aspirational about where they want to take the American people. So I agree with Mr. Uh, Paladin that there is a symbiotic relationship, but I don't think it's about sheer uh, political profiteering. I, I think that this is about um, ideological aspirations. Oh, yeah. And th- it's the biggest mistake the right, whatever it is, can make it a movement is to not just take at face value how insane progressivism has become. They, they really believe these things. We're going to get slaughtered if we don't understand that at some level. And by slaughtered, I mean something beyond just a political loss. This is how history works. Start taking them at their word that when all this transgender stuff, it, it does not end in a good place. Moving on. Tony Mercer says most of Weird Al's songs are better than the original. Uh, I will buy that. Yesterday morning, guys, I woke up for some reason with Amish Paradise stuck in my head. That's and it's better great. than the original. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely better than the original. Is Like a Surgeon better than Like a Virgin? What do you, I'm asking. I'm asking it. Based on my personal taste? Or the answer? No. No. Okay. No. So Todd um, likes uh, like a virgin. No, is, 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 is white and nerdy better than I mean, riding dirty? Yes. yes. I, yeah. We would agree on that one, I, right? I, I mean, I'm not saying he's bad, but I mean, he, he, is, he is, is fat better than bad. 
Todd no. is like <laughs> no, no. I mean, there's not this. Is eat it better than beat it? I, this is a false choice. Oh, now this is maybe a false with, choice. Maybe with beat it, beat it is probably better than eat it. He's cr- he's crediting mostly at least decent songs, if not great decent songs, and and capitalizing off of that, and that's to his credit. But th- this isn't a musical genius at work. He's he's fine. It's yeah. a comedic genius, maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna sell. I, I, you've, this is twice, twice you've uh, you've you've made up my mind for me. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Thank you. Every once in a while. Yeah, every now and then. Tim yeah. says uh, frequently. Uh, the Cubs and Bears both win their divisions next season. Sell. sell, sell. Bears are your classic team that comes out of nowhere, and then the next year there's yep. like a seven and nine reality check when they're not plus fifteen at turnovers. So yep. totally sell. And the Cubs, you know, they're in a tough division, man. They are in a tough division. Cardinals are good. Brewers essentially had the exact same team they had last year. So, um, you know, the Cardinals were right on the doorstep. Uh, they were, the, I think, they had the best record in baseball after the middle of June when they fired their manager. Yeah, I think that's true. And then they bring in a guy uh, in, in Goldschmidt who, you know, everybody wants to say, well, he put up his numbers in a hitter's ballpark. But uh, if you look at Paul Goldschmidt's numbers last year, he had the second highest batting average in the majors last year in road games. So it's it's not like this is a Coors Field, you know. Todd Helton hits you know, goes thirty thirty in Coors Field, and then is a just a pretty good player elsewhere. Now this guy made a lot of his stats actually playing on the road in places like uh, St. Louis. So you know the Cubs could be really good and right. not even make the playoffs in that division. You know, Kurt Schilling, um, my sports co-host, he thinks the Pirates are going to be kind of this year's young team that takes the next step, like the Brewers did a year ago. Sure. So if he's right about that, now you're talking, you're playing 19 games against the Cardinals, 19 games against the Brewers, 19 games against an improved Pirates team. You know, I could see the Cubs be really good and not, and not make the playoffs, and I think the Bears will get a reality check next fall. You're right. I'm with you. All right, uh, let's go rapid fire for the rest of these. Uh, Republican Party does not exist by the 2030s. That's from Seagobes. Man, I wish. I saw the headline yesterday that Trump wanted John Kelly to fire Javonk. I was like, dare to dream. What? Yeah, and and the reason we didn't talk about it is because, again, it's our policy of anything anonymous about or from the White House, we just... Yeah. We don't take seriously because every there's so many people lying from and about this White House. We yeah. have no idea what's true. But for a, for a fleeting moment, I I needed to believe that, that was true as much as I needed to believe Chris Christie used to get Trump's McNuggets at midnight. But yeah. um, uh, I'm, I will so you know what I I will buy. You're buying. I'll you're, buy. You're I think selling. it's I think it, I think it's just like we just didn't see the Jeb Bush thing coming right before it did, mm-hmm. and and nobody can foresee a paradigm where Joe Biden goes away. I think everybody this, this idea. That the Republican Party alliance goes back to normal when Trump leaves uh, is 180 degrees wrong. Hilarious. Totally wrong. That's People are not going to go back cute. to, I want consultant Pablum from Team GOP. They're it's not adorable. going back to that. Just no. funny. Just, so, just but hilarious. Narrowly. Uh, Russell Lerno says uh, Galaga is the best retro video game of all time. So. Bye. So. Buy. I'll does sell, Mario, but not does because Super Galaga Mario Brothers counts as uh, sure. retro video game. The original yeah. one, well, no. Super Mar- the original Mario Brothers yeah. might. Yep. The original, original one. Uh, so yeah, to me, that's the beginning of like next generation. Okay, yeah. because you could get that stuff at your the next gen consoles at your house, right? Okay, all right. So we're talking old school. We had to go to the arcade, and if you tried to play it on Atari, it wasn't even close to the same thing, both, right? Both of you guys. So are, like Pac Man, totally Space going. Invaders, Asteroids. I used to right. be with it, but they they changed what it was. Now what I'm with isn't it, and what's it? I, I love Galaga. Uh, if we, anytime we go to the theater, if it's there, I gotta put at least yeah. a couple bucks in the machine. I'm in. Yeah, yeah bye. 
No, uh, I'll sell. But it's a fine game. Neil Hess says, and this is a two-parter. I didn't see the other part. Uh, Marvel versus DC series of movies will begin filming in the next 10 years. Let's just take that. Um, Not in the next 10 years, but when they run their course of storylines, just like they did the crossover event in the comics in the 90s. um, They did? Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. I think you will see something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know that, you, you know, we're in our 40s. I think we're looking at this probably 15, 20 years away, yeah. so we may not be alive to see it. But if Aaron takes care of his body and Jesus doesn't return in the interim, I do think, Aaron, you will live to see the day that you'll take one of your munchkins to a DC Marvel crossover yeah, movie. Wow. Uh, Calvin McRae says, the push to allow and accept trans female athletes will decimate female sports leagues within five years. Let's just take that. Sell. Uh, the, the, it, it Sell. Decimate in which, well, define, let's define decimation. Well, that's meaning, meaning, we'll, we'll, meaning, will a dude with a penis lead the WNBA in scoring in the next five years? It, and it, it, and is, it is what that value statement says. Is that the decimation? Or meaning that these things are go out? When I think decimation, I yes. think of Thanos snapping his finger right. and you cease to exist, that's right? So if we're too. talking cease to exist, no way, no how. Right. Tom Steyer, Warren Buffett will be cutting checks to keep these things open because they can't let that narrative that blows up. It's why Ocasio-Cortez can't criticize Maduro. She can't admit her belief system's a scam. They're never going to admit this to us. They'll go bankrupt first, okay? But will it largely decimate opportunities for daughters like yours and mine and yours? And that, if that's your decimation, I agree. But if you're talking a cease to exist, no way, no how. Nope. Sure. Cockroaches always survive till the end. Agreed. Uh, let's see. Evan... David Evans Martinez says, by Solar Hold, an Article 5 Convention of States is called by 2028. Bye. You know, I'll buy. Well, the reason I'm hesitating is because if that happens, I might sell on my thing about the Republican Party ceases to exist in the. Tw- there will be some massive paradigm shifting event on the right that, yeah. when Trump goes away because nobody wants to return to Team GOP, but Team GOP is going to decide that that is what we must return to. So either that takes the convention of states to the next logical conclusion where people say, you know what, screw you, we're going to put this, take this into our own hands, or you see a, um, you see the Republican Party cease to exist. So I'll buy, because I, I think both of them represent something massive. Will Trump is not the culmination of the paradigm shift that's occurring. He is the symptom of it. He hasn't caused any paradigm shifts to occur. He is the symptom of it. That's the everybody keeps believing because you know keep um, on because believing it, mainly because it's it, it generates clicks for everybody that the whole world revolves around Trump. And when he go, when he it's the same thing with Obama. When was the last time you thought about Barack Obama in the last week? When for eight years he was omnipresent, he was the eye in the sky, Alan Parsons. Same thing will happen with Trump. But the issues that he took it that he exposed people were concerned about, those will remain. No doubt about it. Thanks for tuning in today. Back at it again tomorrow. Don't forget the Blaze Roundtable coming your way later today on the Blaze. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. We'll